Welcome everyone to another episode of Learning with Bell Vista Studios. And today we've got a special guest. I'm so freaking excited to have you on, Britt. So Britt and I work together through the Freelance Mastermind. So this episode is for people that are freelancers, new contractors, whatever. Maybe you got a side hustle. Maybe you've just taken the leap. Maybe you're thinking about it. Or maybe you're kind of hitting like a little bit of a slump in your own journey on this freelance consulting business owning one, because I want to recognize you, Britt. That's where I want to start is I was like going through the notes from the coaching sessions that we had. And like, I was just like, "Ah." so the two things that really stood out throughout when we worked together were your commitment to your ID process, like as an instructional designer and also your business owner journey. Um, Like you were, before you came into our world, you were learning and doing like reading, YouTube, podcasts, everything consuming, which is great. But what was really special about you and what I want to recognize you for is that you execute on what you're learning. So like you're just like, that means that you're committed to your journey on your business owning, but you and your life And I just think that's really, really special that you put things into action and you're getting the results, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, And the other thing that really stood out every time, it always made me like smile inside whenever you were like chatting in the sessions was the love that you have for yourself. And you just believe in yourself and you know your worth and you know the difference that you make through your work. Um, And you have these non-negotiables for yourself to be appreciated for that. And I think that's really special. And that's who you want to work with, like your clients, the amount that you charge, things like that. So I just wanted to start off and recognize you for that because I think that's really special. And I feel like today's episode is going to be quite motivational for people um, by you just role modeling that. So you're a special human and we appreciate you. Thank you. So. It's a couple of wins that I was looking at just to kind of refresh the journey of when we were working together. Um, and then you've gone on, I think it is roughly about three months since we kind of like. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so basically when you came, you were in full-time role and your mission, you had, you were like doing a side hustle, but you wanted to ramp that up and you were actually looking to get three months savings behind you before you take the leap. Um, so yeah, because you want to leave a secure job. Now you've s- just mentioned before this, you're on that journey and you've got the date in mind. We don't have to s- share when that is, but you're <laughs> ready to go. Um, in, I remember your big thing was like talking about price. And in week one, we were like, let's, let's do role plays. And that's one thing like I love to, like I was just putting you in these role plays. I was like, let's do it. Let's talk about price right now. Let's talk about your process and like throwing you in the deep end. Cause at the time you were negotiating two particular contracts yeah. and you wanted to, you knew your worth and you're like, I want to charge more. And we're like, well, let's just do it. So after week one, you were like, okay, I have my interview. We spoke about how to like, how to say the money bit and then drop mm-hmm. the silence and then yeah. you got a, like a yes straight away to upping it. And then mm-hmm. for the next session, again, you had another interview and you, because of that resonating, like easy, yes, I think I even quoted, they said yes, easily. Um, you went and then asked for money again. I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. Um, and in that one, you got a neutral response, which ideally that that is like an actual yes like they weren't saying no to your second higher price so that was freaking cool and you I don't know what you're charging now but to go up and go like I want to talk about price to then go okay I'm going to up my rate and I'm going to up it again in the same week that was pretty cool and I think that's like pretty inspirational because a lot of people will be like ah like what do I charge just go charge yeah, and I still like I remember our role player first time like I was sweating I was nervous about <laughs> it even though it was like a safe space with you and we are role playing because that's something for me that's like outside of my comfort zone like I instructional design I got that but then the business side was like completely new to me so I'm definitely more confident in that now do I still like sweat a little bit yes but I don't let it show I think that's nice. what I got off role play too. Still sweating, but confident. 
same. I sweat too. Well, I think we always sweat in those, but it's, yeah, it is the confidence. Um, one other thing you were doing was you did in the playbook, they had the like goals and the life calibration. So you were working on that, but then you got your husband involved. I think that's pretty cool. Like it's not just your journey, you're creating a life with the people you love. So that was pretty special. Um, you were also deciding on your business structure at the time. Like you were deciding, do I do partnership? Do I do my own thing? And then like you continuously like send our team updates of how your progress is going. And like one thing that's kind of working for you is the email templates and like you're getting like really great feedback from your clients and that you're just like good at project managing is what it sounds like. Um, and also that like things are being delivered on time and also you're attracting the right clients that you you've said like you love your clients. And so they're just massive wins. So just take that in of your like small part of your journey. I'm sure there's other wins that I am unaware of, but I just think that's pretty special. And we only work together for a short time. So yeah. Thank you. Very kind. All right. Um, so one thing I want to get into the money and that later, but I think there'll be many people out there that are like craving this journey for themselves. Right. And they want to go out on their own and they're learning and they're consuming content and that's all they're doing. What is the difference between learning and applying? Why do you go and execute and take action? Yeah, so I think for me, if I'm not applying it, then why bother consuming all of it? So I'm to the point where I have different systems and processes in place where when I learn something, like how am I going to truly apply it? So the first thing I do when I want to learn something, I think about, is there an opportunity right now, whether it's like in the next few hours or this week where I can truly apply it? Because if I don't have that opportunity, I'm going to lose it or I'm going to have to rewatch what I already learned because the time in order for me to apply it passed. So that's something I first do is I look at my current projects or things I'm working on. What are my goals? What are new things I hope that I can apply to those different uh, projects at hand? And then yeah. to hold me accountable, I do a couple of different things. I live by my calendar. So anytime we had a coaching session and we had different action items, immediately following our call, I got off and I put it on my calendar. So when am I going to actually make time and do this? And then something that I also do, I have a planner that I write in. It may feel duplicative, but for me, I get a lot of personal satisfaction from scratching it off. So I get the reminder from my calendar, but then physically crossing it off and applying it is really um, satisfying for me. So that's how I guess I enable myself to start applying it. And then another thing I'll share that I guess here's an example of something I learned and then I applied it. So recently I learned about um, habit stacking, which it's always been out there, but I hadn't heard that terminology. So if there's a new habit or something you want to apply, stack it to a habit that you already have down pat. So for example, something that I got from our coaching calls is ending my day. Uh, your suggestion to end your day is like 30 minutes of planning. So that way you're not using that time the next day. You already have a plan. So I thought to myself, okay, this is a habit I would like to get into. So what can I do? So something that I always do at the end of the day anyways, is I look at my calendar for the next day. So why don't I stack that habit of now I look at my calendar and then I also take 30 more minutes and plan. What are those couple of things I need to achieve the next day in order to like truly like sleep well at night and not be stressed. So those are, I love learning about applying stuff or how to make it even more efficient and better for you. So habit stacking. That's cool. I hadn't heard of that. I'll have to give it a go now. Um, what's really interesting is it sounds, it sounds like you've done the work to figure out that this is right for you in your life, like to be a business owner, like your motivation to do instructional design and be a business owner in that space is clear. How is that linked to how you show up in the world? How did you figure that out for yourself? Um, I think what I learned in terms of like making the leap from like 
working full time to like wanting to freelance is I had to figure out like ideally like what type of lifestyle do I want like what speaks to me and something that I feel like people can maybe relate to in the corporate world I'm in meetings all day so I don't get time to myself it's really hard I have to start like my day early if I want to be able to do personal things like do a workout go for a walk like enjoy breakfast before I'm in meetings from like 7 30 to 7 at night and that just for me is not something that sparks any joy so in terms of making the decision of being more of doing my own thing that was one thing that helped me uh get to that realization piece and another thing is I very much like the work that I'm doing I love the training and development space but I wanted to do it in a different way and I like when I get to work on very different things. And something that happens to me in my more corporate job is I'm doing the same type of projects over and over again. I may be working for, um, with new stakeholders or different things, but the project was pretty much the same. But in the freelancing world, I get to work with tons of different clients. Their needs are completely different. And it's really fun when you go from, you first meet them, like whatever the topic is, it may feel like another language. Like I know absolutely nothing about it. And then eventually like I learn along the way and then like the switch flips and you're like, oh, I feel like I almost work here. Like I completely get what they're doing. So I think for me, I kind of thought about what were the things I really liked about my current job and what were the opportunities to make it better. And for me, that just naturally felt like freelancing. And the other thing too, um, at my current corporate job, I work from home. That was something for me, I wanted to be able to, I guess, test, so to speak, um, in terms of, can I work in a work from home environment? Because I knew realistically, I'd be working remotely with all my clients. So, because sometimes you can enjoy the work you're doing, but if it's also not the right environment, you're going to be unhappy in that way too. So I did want to make sure that working from home was for me and I can say it is so I love working from <laughs> that's cool so you've basically looked at the things that you liked and why that didn't quite sit right yeah. in your soul and you got more of the stuff that did and removed more of the stuff that didn't and you're just kind yeah. of calibrating towards what sits 100% right in you yeah. And something else too, like I've learned about myself through different jobs or just like life in general is I'm a control person. And so for me, I feel like freelancing gives me more control. I get control over the clients. I say yes, no, yes to who do I say no to the type of work I take on. I have more control in terms of like, I can structure my day and ultimately design how I want to work best. So for me, that was something that also made it just the right choice for me personally. That's cool. You mentioned around the like working for the clients that kind of resonate, who you want to say yes to, who you want to say no to. What are some of the criteria you use to make that decision? Sure. So a couple of different things. Um, one, like what is the work that the company or client, what do they do? What do they value? I always look at that before I apply for a job or before I even talk to them, because depending on what it, I want to do projects that I know that I'm going to feel good about what I'm putting out. Like, is this something I stand for? Is this something that I can tell I'll be able to make my mark or help them achieve these different values? So I do care about like the work that they're actually doing. Um, some other things in terms of who I prefer to work with, honestly, their communication style, like when they like first reach out and they want to talk to me, like, how is their tone in the email different? Things like that. I'm a less formal person. I like more conversational, casual. That's the type of client I enjoy working with rather than like very uh, more rigid, formal kind of tone. So that's something I also notice in that way. Also, what type of project are they coming to me with? Like, is it something in terms of if I want to work with them, is it something where I can tell they value my opinion or they want me to? help them in the process or is it something like hey this is black or white this is what it is I need you to create this we don't care if it's right or not but it's a check the box solution so to speak and those ones don't necessarily 
part of the route I want to go. I like to be a part of like the true like design and development process where in the beginning we're like, we don't know what our solution is, but we do think that this is a potential training gap and we'd love to bring you on board and help do it in that way. So that's another thing that I take into account. And then something for me that I don't know if this is weird or not, but in terms of like, if I'm going to apply for a job with a client, I've noticed some postings will have like 25 requirements for the job. And it's like things where it's like, you're looking for a unicorn. And I personally find that like off-putting that they expect this person to do all these things. Because if you're truly good at all those things, you're probably doing, or if you have the experience in all those things, you're probably not doing any of them well. I'd rather have like a really uh, targeted, focused job description they're posting where I'm like, I could totally nail that rather than wanting me to be like their videographer. They want me to be their graphic designer. They want me to be their facilitator, like all these things. So that's something I also take into account, I guess, even before I talk to them or if they send the job my way, I'm like, that's not the right fit. Oh, one other thing too. When I have um, initial conversations with them in terms of we talk about like, how do you prefer to work with your contractors or freelancers? Like I said before, not a meeting heavy type of gal. I have some clients where I've maybe talked to twice and we work together for like several months and that's perfect for me. I'm not like a, don't need the face-to-face -face piece. And I've had some approach me with projects where they're like, yeah, we meet several times a day, do all these brainstorm sessions, which I'm all for brainstorming, but I find it really hard to get into like my creative flow when I'm being pulled out of it to do all these meetings. So for me personally, when someone talks about meetings right away, I'm like, that's a red flag for like, not my personal style. Yeah. Love and it. I tell them up front, like we would just not be the right fit and they always I mean they appreciate it too like they're looking for the right contractor for them as well so I'm very upfront in terms of like how I like to work and if it would work with them or not mm, that's cool um what are your interview tips when you are trying to let's talk about um it's the ideal role you know, and you're like, you're like, that's me. So it's that targeted, like you can just tick the three things that they're looking for. And you're just like, we're going to connect. So mm -hmm. what are your interview tips or like that negotiating tip space to lock yeah. in the deal? So uh, during like the interview process, when they're asked, I guess to even prepare, I do a few things when I'm going to have that initial interview. So I look at that job description again. I refresh myself with those key bullet points and I think, what is a specific example or experience I can speak to that talks to those different things? No one wants a hypothetical. They want to know, like, they want to be able to tell, like, this person's been there. They've done that. They're not just, like, making it up as they go. So being able to speak to a true experience. And it doesn't have to be an exact, like, experience so to speak but it at least needs to highlight transferable skills so they can feel comfortable that you'd be able to hit on those things so that's something I do to prepare and then obviously we talked about like price for me is something that still gets me out of my comfort zone so do I do power poses and pretend someone's asking me like what is your rate and do I say it out loud by myself in my office yes yes I do so I do various things like that to get prepared. And then something that's just helped me is I have a running document of the most common interview questions I get asked. And sometimes before a call, I'll do a quick refresher just so I'm like, okay, I'm in the right headspace. Like I, and that's another thing too, after each project, I try to recap the key things I did. And I have like almost like a running document of key examples and stories. So that way, you do a lot of things and it's hard to remember everything. So I like to keep a running list of those things so I can kind of like plug and play. And then the other thing too, is I always make sure that I, I have my uh, website slash portfolio pulled up. A lot of times they ask me on the fly to screen share. So I do like to make sure I have things that I can share that have been scrubbed that don't, you know, share anything that I'm not supposed to share, but I also have that ready to go in case they want that on the fly because sometimes they'll be like can you walk us through it and you're like I don't have it pulled up and I'm trying to do it on the fly. <laughs> Doing yeah. it helpful. that's cool 
Um, can you remember any like of the common interview questions that come up just so people can write them down and start preparing for their stuff? Yeah, so I feel like honestly, if you Google like most common instructional design training development questions, you're good to go. That's what I did for my starting point. So always, um, a common question I get asked is how do you deal with competing priorities, type project deadlines. So I get questions related to the project management piece. A lot of a very common question is what's your process? Like how will you work with us? And that's when I walk them through the instructional design process and how I like to work. Another key question that always comes up is something related to like communication, because one of the biggest gaps I feel like I hear from my clients is we don't know, we hire someone and we don't know what the heck they're working on. We haven't heard from them or just like the status update piece. So even if they don't ask a question related to like communication or what that looks like, I always make sure to highlight like I'm responsive. I do weekly status updates, all those things to put them at ease. And I guess that's the other thing I would do on the flip side in terms of like preparing for an interview. Think about you're hiring a contractor. What would be your biggest fears that you would hope this person would be able to like alleviate or address as part of their interview? And that's something I try to do. And I honestly always ask them that question too, like what has been your best like training contractor experience? And honestly, most times they're like, their face says it all. They can't think of one. And they usually say their worst. And I'm like, what was that experience like? And then I counter whatever they say with like what I'm able to bring to the table. So they wouldn't have that experience again. But it's always so funny though, to see their faces. And I ask them about a good example. And they're like, that's why we're hiring someone new because they're not getting what they need. That's gold. I love that. Um, okay. I need to summarize a little bit. So you people if for interviews they need to google um most common instructional design i would say behavioral based interview questions um and you'll get the that transferable skill sort of like go into the detail in your answer because behaviors that's what we design training for but they're looking for you to demonstrate capability and a framework to use is well there's probably many, but one that I've found useful and has been useful when shared, it's called the STAR um, framework. So situation, task, action, result. So that's what Britt's saying. What are the, what is the example I can use? I tend to, well, I don't do it really anymore. Oh, we do actually. But it's the one example that has many components, like Britt's saying from her lessons learned is I did this, this, and this, these were the common challenges. So that project that kind of covers the majority of them so that you can talk to communication process. And then for you, it's easier. You feel a bit more um, comfortable in that interview situation because if you're preparing one example of your experience, even if it's from a different industry or a different lifetime, if you can just remember that one example, it makes you feel more comfortable rather than trying to be like, okay, they're asking me about communication right now. What do I know from my life that can demonstrate communication? It's that preparation that really helps. Um, and the preparation I think is key as well. Like uh, back in the day when I was applying for jobs, like I was spending like two days on my like application I was spending two days trying to prepare for the interview and stuff. And I was only applying for those jobs that spoke to my soul as well, not just the like anything. And I think that's an important, I'll just point out in terms of mindset. Don't come from a mindset of fear, come from a mindset of love. If you come from a mindset of fear, you're like, you're at that bottom of Maslow's where you're just thinking about safety and security and you want money. But is money going to bring you joy and the fulfilling lifestyle of why you are becoming a freelancer, consultant, business owner in the first place? So check yourselves. Am I coming from a place of fear in applying for this job? And just calibrate based on that. And another thing that Britt mentioned, and I'm finding uh, as I'm getting more specific in responding to proposals and also like that kind of interview style stuff is how can we as practitioners, which Britt mentioned, and myself and as Bell Vista Studios, be the less risky option. So figure out what are all the things that they might be afraid of 
and they're the, the uh, objections you need to overcome. So how can you be the less risky option? You can figure that out. You can Google it. There are things like, oh God, we hated, they like, we didn't know what they were doing. You can figure out, like Britt said, how to demonstrate that that's not you and it will get you closer to that yes. And the other thing I'll share that what you said made me think of is when you think of a more all-encompassing example or story you wanna highlight, I find a lot of times they're like, wow, you answered most of the questions we already had. And then something you taught me in our coaching was to almost like flip it back on them. Like, hey, I just talked a lot about my process. Is there something specific in here that you would like me to dive into more? And then it almost like allows you to help steer the interview a little bit. I mean, they still know what they want to ask, but that gives you a little bit for me, like more control too of like, now I can guide them where I kind of want them to go. This is cool. This is like a refresher for me, Britt. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Let's, um, let's get through to like knowing your value and your worth and talking about money. Mm -hmm. So. You, I feel like we, we spoke about it. You get nervous every time. I think everyone does. Um, and as well, because what I love that you said is you capture those things for yourself. So you've got like a little list that is like, I'm going into this kind of conversation now, just refresh my memory. And I do that as well. Because we don't always have sales conversations. They happen maybe every two months or something. So I'm not freaking on fire for that every mm -hmm. single day but I get my notes ready and I'm going into, okay, I'm doing a sales combo now. What are my key things to remember? So what are, what are your tips around talking about price and how to not be scared? Yeah, so I think the first thing to help with that is knowing like, what is that value for you? And it's different for everyone. And I think you have a calculation in one of your uh, one of the playbooks, which can help like get at what that number is for you. But basically for me to feel confident about something, I also have to have the facts to back it up. So ultimately in order for me to live my lifestyle, cover expenses, all these different things, like what is that bottom line number? And what is that number that I'm refusing to go, you know, below, even if it sounds like the most magical opportunity, what is my hard line? Um, so having that helps me feel confident in first like even saying it because I know I did my due diligence in terms of like this is the right number for me and I also do um, some market comparisons to make sure I'm not like crazy like I'm not trying like if my lifestyle was a millionaire I'd be like oh I'm charging all this so I'm like that may not be realistic for my market so I also look at the market and what that looks like and then I mean, honestly, just like what we practice, like they'll be like, what's your rate? And I say, my starting engagement rate is blank. And then I just silence, let them respond to it however they want. And to your point, they've said, I've had some that are like, yes, absolutely. Like send me the contract. And I'm like, oh, maybe that wasn't like, maybe that was too low. So something I've also learned from you and others is you keep raising it a little bit until you start to get, I would guess, more no's than yeses. So that way you start to go up in that regard. So, and then also the more times you get yeses and have those conversations, like, yes, they're still awkward, but you do get more comfortable having them. And another thing too, that helps me with it in terms of staying my price, as I look at the project and I'm like, would I feel happy at the end of it knowing I got paid this amount to do this work, to bring my experience, to do you know everything that I'm bringing to the table? Would I feel happy that I said yes to this opportunity for this price? And that also helps me in that regards too. And then just practicing it too, like I said before, anytime I have a call, I mentally prepare myself to stay it, even though it's only a a sentence. And sometimes I do have a few come back and they say, is it flexible? And I said, and I just say, no, this is my starting engagement rate for whatever, but just being permanent. And that's just what I do. That's freaking awesome. All right. I'm going to summarize that for people. So uh, in the playbook, there is a like, figure out your ultimate life. And that's like, I don't know how much on holidays and 
funding your family and eating out and all that kind of stuff. So you figure out that. And it's like, that's why you're starting a business to live your ultimate life. So you get that figure, that hourly rate, and we're not going to go into like value-based pricing and all that right now. But if you just have a minimum non-negotiable, I will never, ever go below this anymore because if I do, I'm preventing myself from living my ultimate life. So you got to figure that out for yourselves. Actually, we've got some YouTube videos on how do you know what to charge as well. Um, that makes it easier. That gives you the confidence to say a, an hourly rate. Um, the little script that Britt was using was my starting rate is from X and then full stop silence. And that full stop silence is so effective in many situations. So definitely would do that. Uh, would you feel happy at the end of the project? If you like bit of self-reflection, if you charge this and did that kind of work and also power poses and saying it out loud. Um, that was cool. One thing I'm going to just put out there is you said you researched the market. Um, I'm going to say don't do that because then you're comparing yourself to others. I've got another podcast with someone else that we're going to go into that in detail coming up next week, actually, where we basically were like, well, what is your ultimate life? And she figured it out. And it like was a scary price. It was almost double her annual salary. And we're like, just go and have the conversation. So we, through the coaching, talked about self-worth, didn't, didn't look at the market, didn't do anything like that. She went into that conversation and did very well out of it got that and more and more and more so I would encourage people not to look at the market because then I believe it's a little bit of fear um, coming through and that comparison makes you put yourself into a sea of others and where everyone is an individual and has individual worth and you've just got to go this is my life this is what I'm about and this is me and that's worked very well for us at Bell Vista Studios. People say yes and no all the time, depends on that, but it always works out well. And in that other podcast, like she's done really well by not comparing. So I'm going to encourage you, Britt, to stop doing that I'm and just go. To tune into that episode too. <laughs> yeah, it's freaking inspiring for sure. I was like, holy shit. But yeah, know your worth, like you've done the process. Maybe it is time for you to go, hmm, am I basing my hourly rate on the markets now? What am I? Like you've got more experience now, you know, where am I at? Where is Brit at now? What value am I bringing? Do I need to up the ante there? Anyway, all right. Um, always learning. Perfect. Yay. <laughs> What are some uh, lessons that you've learned in the last couple of months of doing your contracts and that, that you're like, I want people to learn through my mistakes. <laughs> yeah. So I can share a couple of things that come to mind. One, I guess I wouldn't say isn't necessarily a mistake, but something that I've learned is, and all the things you have to do, like as a business owner, like you have to do invoices. I have to do all these different things. And I think you have to figure out those things that spark minimal joy and figure out what's the way that you can make it efficient, but still get it, you know, get it done. So we touched on it earlier, but the email templates that Bell Vista Studio has, if you don't have them, honestly get them. Because so for me, sending emails isn't something that I get jazzed about. I don't wake up in the morning saying, I can't wait to send this email to the client. So for me, it's thinking about what's a way to make this super easy. Having email templates or different tools, depending on whatever that is for you, where you can easily plug and play and not start from scratch is fabulous. And something mm -hmm. else I'll say too about that I've had to like learn in terms of starting this journey is figuring out what my process looks like and all the different uh, spaces I have to play and creating, figuring out like what my consistent process is. So something I'll share too is like, I didn't get to tell you, tell you yet this Kim, but um, when I started using your email templates consistently, like the kickoff one, when I have a repeat client, they naturally are sending me those things I used to ask them for, because it's now like, part of the process and they're almost like trained on it. So 
using different templates or things to create consistency in your own process is something that I found really helpful. In terms of a mistake I've made, something that I've learned about myself is when I'm very excited to get things to the client, but sometimes I've learned I need to take a step back and pause and make sure I do a more diligent like QA check. Mm -hmm. So sometimes like I get feedback on something, I do it real quick because I'm like all excited. I'm like, oh, I get what they want. But some I've learned I need to um, just slow down. So for me, I use like a QA checklist. You guys have one and I've like added different things for me where I've learned like these are gaps or things that I need to look at a little bit deeper. So even when I think something's ready, honestly, I usually leave my home office. I go for a walk because I don't want to hit send right away. Um, so I do it. I go for a walk, get away from my home office, come back, look at it at fresh eyes, go through my checklist again and then send it over. And that was just something that I learned in my excitement. I could miss things that like I normally would never miss. So little things like that I learned. And another thing personally I learned too, which I guess it kind of ties into that. Um, I used to be really, I'd be in my inbox too much, like waiting for as soon as like something came in from a client or different things like that and being in your inbox is honestly a complete time suck so you can be in there just wasting time when you could be knocking out other things on your plate so learning for me as I try to check it at the end of the day the middle and the end and I just close out I have turned off notifications on my desktop and phone for um, email so I don't feel like it because naturally notifications make you want to respond and something else that I do a lot of is I want, even if I'm working weird hours based on like, that's how I like to work. Like if I'm working 11 at night, I personally don't want my client to know that because I don't want them to think I'm ready at any moment of the day. So using schedule send in Gmail or any email provider is huge. So I schedule it to send it like really on times in like the normal work day. So that way they're not like, oh, she's working at 11 at night. We can send her something to work on, you know, at the end of the day and expect she'll work on it late into the night. So I also have learned you schedule send and I'm mindful about, I want to do a right turnaround time in terms of their email, but I also don't want them to think I'm always going to respond that quick because I happen to be checking at that time. And that's just something personally I've learned. That is fire. Yeah. And I definitely would back that up. Um, you don't want to be on demand and yes, definitely everyone implement that into your process ASA. <laughs> um, just want to stop and say, this is freaking fire. Thank you for the value that you're sharing so far. Like I know this will be giving lots of epiphanies and breakthroughs for people and really practical advice. So you are a rock star. Thank you. Um, okay, we're, we're coming to like the last kind of wrap up of my particular questions. Um, was there any specific tips that worked from anywhere that you've learned that you're like, remember that and do that, people? I think something for me that I've learned that I would recommend is how you structure your day. So for me, I do task batching, I think is the terminology for it, but I do all like tasks back to back. Cause I think sometimes like in the beginning, I used to go from like this day, I'm focusing on this client, this day, I'm gonna focus on this client. But you're constantly having to like switch like what you're thinking about, the type of role you're in and it can get overwhelming. So for me, if I'm sending, like, if I need to send status at the emails, I do them for all clients at the same time, like doing all the, if I'm doing QAs for different projects I'm on, all, at, you know, back to back to back. So that way you're in the same headspace for the different things you're working on. So I find that really helpful in terms of um, structuring my day and getting things done. Another thing I've learned, just, these are all just random at this point, but yeah, yeah. Um, 
something that's helped me when I do my QA checks, like one, like I said, I walk away. And sometimes you get really comfortable with the content, like you've been in it for so long. And if you don't have someone else that can look at it, I find it helpful to like go through my e-learn or script or whatever from the end to the start. So looking, going through it a different way, you'll catch different things because your brain isn't naturally filling in all those gaps for you. So I find that helpful. And I also like, not just from a script, but when I'm testing e-learns or different things like that, I like go through the whole thing one way. And then I see if I can get back to the beginning from the other way. So like all those things were like, it takes extra time, but it's really important to almost like try and like break or stump whatever you're working on. So that way, ideally no learner would ever take it in that way. But if they were to, they still get to the end at the end of the day. So that's something I find helpful. Oh, and another tip too is, so in order to like, I'm learning and consuming these different things, I block time on my calendar for two hours every Friday, where it's just dedicated to like, I call Friday, like, I like alliteration. So it's like Friday, like what's fueling my soul and what's feeding my business. So I split it up. Like the first half of the day is all things like just things I want to learn. So LinkedIn, I save different posts and that's my time where I just like, what do I want to learn about that I think I could apply? And I do that. And then I do the second half of the day, like really focusing on like, what do I need to do for my business? So is it social media? Are there different jobs I want to look at or just various different things? And I like to block it in that way too. Amazing. All right. What is your one tip for someone that is going out on their own and they're in their first month? Do they have a client or no in our scenario? Let's do they have a client and then let's do they don't have a client. So they have a client, like they've just resigned and first client, they're working on that. And what's my like big tip for them? One They're one month in, they're within their first month. I guess my biggest tip for them would be almost like do like your one month evaluation reflection, like think about up to this point, what has gone really smoothly for you. And then that, you know, you want to continue to bring forward with other clients and think about what were those few things that you're like, my gosh, that was a nightmare. I didn't think I was going to get through that and determine how can you not experience that ever again? So whatever that may look like. So I think at one month, you have a good enough amount of time where you can truly like reflect and think about what worked and what didn't work nice okay they now they're in their first month maybe it's the like literally last week they either lost their job they resigned from a job they didn't want to be in anymore so they've got no income maybe they have savings maybe they don't what's your tip then like fuck corporate world i'm going out on my own what does brit drop in terms of knowledge (laughs) so what i would do is get a portfolio or samples together of your work and you can do it for free. Don't think you have to pay to create a portfolio. When I first started, I used a 60 day free trial of Articulate 360, built my portfolio in those 60 days and I was good to go and I just created it into a video. Um, So I would make sure I had something for a portfolio and then you just gotta put yourself out there. Consider the type, I guess if you're without a job, you're in more of a stressful situation. So I would be actively looking each day for how many times you want to set uh, apart for it, applying for jobs, reaching out to your network. There's so many different communities. So join, there's like, you guys just have one now on Facebook that you created. And there's tons of other e-learning Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups where they're also posting jobs and people are sharing like, to their network, things that are coming specifically to them that may not have been posted on a site. So I think also connecting in that way. And also if you know people in the freelancing space, but that just wasn't a space you played in, like reach out to them. I reached out to people that used to contract for my previous companies. I said, hey, I'm not interested in this. And they sent clients my way because they were at capacity. So not being afraid to put yourself out there. And I think having something you can update your resume as well, but also I think having visually there, 
a lot of postings are now asking for portfolios or websites or something. So I think having something in the back pocket is helpful. Nice. Okay. I'm just going to add on that. I am a big believer in you don't need a portfolio. So I don't want people to get overwhelmed. Um, and I think a portfolio can be very overwhelming to the point of inactivity and therefore you're still going to have nothing in terms of income. So for the portfolio, my extension to that is create a portfolio that gets someone to say yes to either a phone call with you, uh, an interview or a contract or yes to the role in seven seconds or less. They need to make that decision in first impressions glance. They're only, they are like psychologically, that's what happens. I actually think it's less, but I'm just extending it to seven <laughs> that um, people will see something and make a decision in less than seven seconds to say yes or no. That yes might be to look at more detail into your portfolio or that yes might be to contact you about more information. So just keep that in mind so that you don't get overwhelmed about how much do you need to put into a portfolio and all that kind of stuff because you're in a state of urgency or stress for this particular situation. Yeah, and something I would say too is like, for creating samples like it doesn't have to be a full course like for mine a lot of it's just like a couple of screens or like one simple interaction like they don't know that I didn't build out this whole put this whole course like highlighting like key different things too in terms of yeah that piece. yeah definitely and I would encourage you to go to our website bellvistastudios.com to see that's literally our portfolio I stripped back our website and it is this is what we're about here's a couple of screenshots and here's the contact number because I'm that I'm trying to really reinforce to the industry that you don't need more than that so take, take a look at that um okay let's take it now to a person what's your one tip for someone that has been working in their business for three months and they are overwhelmed mm. Are they working full time or so? I just keep asking specifics. Or no, no, they that's all good. We can do <laughs> scenarios. Okay. Um, three months, like full time. Full time, yeah, like they're fully like committed, but they they love instructional design, e learning, all training and development. They're so obsessed and they're really good at it. And now they've taken on business land, and they're like, oh, like invoicing and contractors and clients and doing the work. There's a lot, so. What's your yeah. tip for them feeling overwhelmed? So my tip is to figure out what your project management system looks like for you. So personally, when I'm overwhelmed, I find it really helpful like, to take this big thing like client deliverable. What are all those tasks, subtasks, what have you that make up it? And I find it much less overwhelming when I have all those different things I need to do and I chunk them out to much more digestible pieces. And then in terms of like figuring out how to get it all done using a project management tool, or I know a lot of people that use um, Excel, I personally use ClickUp. It's, you can use the free version and that helps me keep all my ducks in a row. And what's nice is if a deadline changes, it can auto adjust all the other dates. So you don't have to manually make tweaks like that. But I think having it where it's broken down in a simple task and also just having a visual place where you can see all those things and when are you truly going to get them done and schedule them that way. I swear. Um, okay. You have been amazing. <laughs> you really have dropped so much practical tips and I feel like people will be a bit more at peace in their journey. And I'm just going to encourage people to like save this video, watch it back, get your actions. And afterwards, like Britt does, put it into your calendar. So you do something with the knowledge that she shared, because there's so much value and you will get the results you want if you put it into action. Um, any of the resources mentioned throughout this video will be in the description. And one of the resources will be Britt's LinkedIn. And I just want to say that, like, if anyone is looking to do needs an instructional designer, like, you're really good. 
like I don't normally recommend people um but Brit's process and what she's about and her philosophy as an instructional designer is really really good so I would definitely encourage you to consider her as um someone to potentially help you with those solutions and also like her business management side of like communication with stakeholders and project management like those fundamental skills that don't naturally come with an instructional designer she's really strong at those as well so yeah her details will be in the link of this description uh Brittany thank you so much for what you have shared I really appreciate you spending the time with us to bring this value I know it's going to add so much value um, and thank you everyone for choosing to learn with Belvis Studios the team and I really appreciate it and it makes us so proud that like we put this stuff out to learn, like learning with this Bell Vista Studios is about being curious around there because we don't know it all. So we have to continuously learn and then how we hold ourselves accountable to put things into action is we produce content. We try to teach others because that's how we learn. We embed what we're learning and that helps us be better practitioners and serve our clients. So that's what all this is about. Um, so thank you for choosing to learn with us. And yeah, until next time, take action on all this stuff that Britt has shared. What's up, awesome human? Thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of myself and the Bell Vista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us. We really appreciate it. If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us. Basically, it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers. And what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz could I be a better instructional designer that has so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating and the problems you want to solve. But in there as well, aren't we cute? That's us. Um, but we've got the coaching courses, freebies, give us gratitude, and also we've got some templates. And basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design, and e-learning. So a human-centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio. So putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs. So there's the human-centered design stuff, and then we've also got the business stuff. So this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world. So go check it out. The link is in the description. You can check out everything that is available for you. Thank you for choosing to learn with us. Continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff, share it with other people because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.